Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. And in this one, the Texans were shocking everybody around the NFL. They're looking like a real football team until disaster happened. We're going to break down a tough loss to the Browns before we fire things up. A reminder that this show is brought to you by BetUS.com, America's favorite sports book. The NFL and college football are in full gear, which means the betting season really gets fun. Not only is BetUS.com the place to bet on football, it's the place to bet on any sport. But in just a few minutes, we're also going to remind you about our exclusive discount. It's a way to save money, support the show, and maybe make a little money over the next few months. More on that really soon. But as always, I'm joined by my co-host and regular sidekick, a fellow H-Town sports junkie and veteran journalist, Stephen Kerr. And Stephen, hamstrings, hamstrings, hamstrings. They just keep killing Houston sports. Uh, when is it ever going to end, Robert? That's that's what I keep asking myself, and I don't care what the sport is. It just it follows them everywhere. And, you know, Tyrod Taylor being the, the obvious big one as far as that's concerned, you know, and how many times have we said it? It's, it's almost you hold your breath every game that Tyrod Taylor plays because you don't know when he's going to go out because of an injury. And sure enough, it happens today. But, you know, you were talking about how the Texans were shocking the NFL. Yeah, they, you know, they they shocked me in the fact that, okay, they lost by 10 points, but the Browns were 12 and a half point favorites. They didn't cover that, even though the Texans had Davis Mills in at quarterback and, you know, unteeth amount of injuries during the game and even before the game. So, yeah, that's pretty shocking in and of itself. We're going to get to the point spread in just a bit because you got it wrong, Stephen, and I'm going to tell everybody what happened since the last time you and I talked. Uh, but, you know, what are the points of emphasis for the Texans this year? We've talked about it, Stephen, ad nauseum. And getting away from Tyrod Taylor for just a second, it's tackling on defense, penalties, special teams. Those were three areas that were hot, flaming, stinky garbage in this game for the Texans. Yeah, and as opposed to last week, all three of those areas were great, and that's one of the reasons the Texans won, is that they they, they played great defense. They, it's a special teams, you know, it, in most cases came through for them, and they didn't have near as many penalties. So, yeah, it all ended up today. All of those things happened. And, you know, the other two things, Robert, that I had in my pregame notes is that if the Texans are going to win – They've got to play even better ball control than they did and keep their defense off the field as much as possible to stop the Browns running game. They did neither. Look, the tackling on defense, hey, the Browns have two running backs that are very good at breaking tackles. They're two of the best running backs in the NFL. We know that. But still, it, it wasn't good. Penalties, this is just inexcusable. They had nine penalties for 80 yards, a couple of bad personal fouls, no excuse personal fouls, Kirksey with the face mask, Jordan Aikens with the taunting penalty, and Stephen, frankly, it could have been more in the penalties and the yardage, but a couple of those were declined by the Browns. Yeah, that's true. And, and obviously this wouldn't have made a difference, but was that really taunting? I mean, really, come on. I, I just, I don't know. The NFL, don't get me started on that. But the penalties were the most inexcusable thing to me, Robert. yes. The defense had poor tackling. There's no doubt about it. There were numerous plays that they should have done better with the tackling. But the one thing I will say about the Browns is that they've, they've got at least two running backs that are of the elite quality. And this guy Felton, you know, he, he went down to a sixth round pick. He wasn't supposed to go that low. 
The Browns took him, and he made a difference. So they had three running backs that just ate the Texans' defense alive today. But, yeah, there's, there's no doubt the tackling needs to improve and needs to improve in a hurry. Let's go down to where the game started or go back to it, frankly, and start off with where it looked like the Texans were going to be awful right off the bat. I mean, it, it, it didn't look good on defense. The Texans forced a punt at midfield. Jacob Martin sack ends the drive. Good coverage uh, downfield. But Andre Roberts, Stephen, fumbles the punt return. And I just mentioned special teams. And this is a big play in the game. And the Browns take advantage. Boom. They score off of it. What is it about this particular position, Robert? It just seems like no matter how good someone is, you know, in, in the punt return or the kick return, when they signed with the Texans, it all goes south. And, you know, Andre Roberts, we kept hearing how great he was. He, he certainly had some good years in the past, but what has he really done? He, he made a nice catch today, a couple of nice catches. But, you know, when it came to that, and then after he muffed the punt, the, the time after that, he tried to return a kickoff when he probably should have let it go. He was obviously trying to make up for it. So, yeah, a couple of plays where his head certainly wasn't in the game. Yeah, and the thing is, remember, Desmond King was returning a lot of punts in the preseason. There were other guys, not just him, returning punts. Andre Roberts didn't return a lot of punts. You know, sometimes practice matters. You know, you got to practice with that speed. You know, we didn't see it last week, but this one just looked like a guy that was rusty. You know, just the ball hits him right in the hands. There wasn't a lot of guys near him at that point. It wasn't like they were just about to hit him. He had room to catch that. that that's what really frustrates you. Yeah, that's it's it's a mental thing, obviously, when I think when that sort of thing happens. And again, I say that this is one of the parts of the Texans game that if they're really going to become an elite team, whenever that is, it, it's something they just have to shore up and so far, they, they just haven't done that. So off of that, four plays, 35 yards, one-yard TD by Janowich. It's 7 nothing Browns very quickly. But the Texans show to be resilient this year, Stephen, and they were, thanks to Tyrod Taylor, who wasn't flustered. Eight plays, 84-yard drive, Taylor to Phillip Lindsay, 22-yard touchdown pass. And I got to talk about this, Stephen. Beautifully designed screenplay. I mean, we have watched the Texans for 20 years. They can't execute a screen pass. They cannot call a screen pass. They cannot do anything right with a screen pass. And that was beautiful. And it, it's just eight eight halfback screens all of last year that they ran. And boom, it ties the game. Game tied at seven. Yeah, I have to love it. I, I mean, it, it's unfortunately most of the time when they try it, it doesn't work. But the one time they really needed it to work... It got them back in the game because honestly, Robert, if if the Browns had scored again and made it fourteen to nothing, I, the Texans, even with Tyrod Taylor, I, I just my confidence of them coming back would have been diminished. And then, of course, as it turns out, the way things happened, it could have been a blowout a lot earlier than it, you know, it, and it really wasn't at all. Next drive for the Texans defense, Browns on offense. Justin Reed causes a fumble on a huge hit to Peoples. Christian Kirksey. Former Brown recovers it, and lo and behold, we have another turnover, Stephen. They would have two turnovers on the game, the Texans, and they've got five turnovers this year. What was it, nine all of last year? Nine total? That's it. That's all they had. Yeah, so that leads to, uh, on a third and 15, the Browns get an offsides penalty on what would have been a fourth and short 
And at this point, I'm tweeting out, oh, I love me some David Cully. Give him a contract <laughs> extension. He's a Uh-oh. genius. Look at the Texans. They're they're uh, rolling. The game's tied at seven. Offense, defense. They look great last week. And then David Cully decides not to take the penalty and says, you know what? Let's just give the ball back. Let's punt. <laughs> what? Yeah, you jinxed him, Robert. You jinxed him. And, and I was surprised, you know, that the Texans didn't go for it. Just because, you know, when you when you have a guy like Mark Ingram who can get that extra yard or two when you really need it, and he fights and fights and fights, yeah, why, why wouldn't you have just gone ahead with it? Then we get back to Justin Reed, who gets his second interception of the game, uh, or second of the season, second turnover of the game. And for the Texans... This is their fourth interception of the year. And this is the frustration with Justin Reed because back-to-back possessions, Justin Reed comes up big for you. When he's out on the field, he can sometimes make a difference. He's not great. He's not Pro Bowl caliber guy, but he's a guy that you got in the third round that looked like he could be a solid defensive guy. But Steven, guess what? Knee injuries in the second half. He's in and out like we saw him for... Many times over the last few years, you're going to have to deal with a contract extension with Justin Reed. He is the defense's version of Will Fuller right now. Yeah, unfortunately, you have to say that. And of course, uh, you know, today he wasn't the only one. There were so many of them that went down. But yeah, something like that is hard to ignore. Once again, you're in a contract year. You've got to prove yourself. And then you keep getting hurt over and over and over again. And this is what's happening with Justin Reed. You know, he's got the talent. He's got the potential, but as I've always said, potential can't be realized if you're sitting on the sidelines. But he did make the play that allowed the Texans to come back and and tie the game, ultimately. And, you know, before that, Robert, with all those turnovers that the Texans have had in the first two games, they only had three points out of all that. So they really needed to start converting, and at least in this particular instance, they did. Yeah, not just the the turnover that tied the game, but with the second turnover, the Texans' four plays— 47 yards, Tyrod Taylor, 16-yard touchdown off the scramble. But, Steven, it looked like that's where he hurt himself. You could see he was slowing down when he got into the end zone. It was, you know, you had to be paying attention, and apparently the TV crew for CBS was not paying attention, and that's a whole other story. Yeah, yeah I noticed that's that. that's where it looked like he hurt himself. And, and Steven, Tyrod Taylor with the hamstring injury, I mean, what are we talking about? This stuff usually just doesn't correct itself quickly this is going to be several games at least you would assume they've got to they got to be careful with something like this well more than likely and and here's what's worse Robert is he doesn't even have a full week to be able to heal that because the Texans are going to have to come back on Thursday night against the Panthers at home so you're not even going to get a full week I'm, I'm not sure that he would have been able to play even then but you know with with him and a lot of these other guys that were banged up and, and taken out of the game you don't have that full week of rest, so they're going to have to come back in you know, less than four days and do this all over again. And, Robert, here's where I just I, – I was really – I thought about this you know, well before this happened, but it came to roost again today. This is where I have such a problem with how the Texans have arranged their quarterback room. You've, you've got Tyrod Taylor. You had Davis Mills, and then – if I had the cricket sound effects, I'd be playing them right now. You have nobody else behind them. I mean, you're not going to activate Deshaun. So you have Taylor and Mills. Why not have a veteran quarterback you could have signed and had three quarterbacks and have Davis Mills as your third string guy 
and at least have the veteran come in. And yeah, you know, Davis Mills, he didn't completely fall apart. The Texans still lost. He he made some bad plays, but he made some good plays. But this is where it's come to roost, is if you've got a quarterback that you know has an injury history, and now he's out, and your only other guy is Davis Mills. Well, Stephen, they traded for a guy that maybe could have been that guy, I guess, but he stunk <laughs> last year. And Was it Ryan Finley? It was Finley, right? Yeah, Finley. And then you had Jeff Driscoll. I mean, you had somebody, but I'm not even sure how much better those guys would have been, but somebody at least. But you basically leave yourself wide open with just two quarterbacks. And and the second one is a rookie who clearly is still not quite ready to to really do well. Jeff Driscoll looked horrible, so no, no thanks on Jeff Driscoll. We never really, we, well, we didn't, not really. We, we didn't see yeah. Finley at all. So back to the end of the first half. So, you know, it looked like Tyrod Taylor got hurt. He would not go out at that point. Meanwhile, on defense, the Texans, not a good drive. 10 plays, 75 yards for the Browns. Baker Mayfield scramble runs in from five yards out. Game tied at 14. So we get to the end of the first half here. The Texans uh, have the ball, and they get a first down, but David Culley with two timeouts. We're back to David Culley again because these two moves were moves that reminded me of something Bill O'Brien would have done. Not even Bill O'Brien is awful. He would have done would, would have not punted when he could have gotten an extra down. But Stephen, he just sits on a timeout and r- runs like they get a first down and, and you run like 30 seconds off the clock with less than a minute to go. What in the world is he doing right there? Yeah, I was very surprised at that, Robert. And I loved your tweet. Uh, you know how you said the Texans played a great first half. David Culley did not have a great first half. How is it that a coach can get an F and the Texans can still play well? <laughs> yeah, that's a, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but that's kind of what you meant. Talk about a dichotomy. Yeah, two two calls really that I think hurt the Texans in so many different ways. You know, and, and what's interesting is David was talking, you know, before the preseason how he wants to be aggressive and he wants to do different things. I really haven't seen it yet in, in the first two games. Aggressive is, uh, sure, punning. When you've got an extra down, you could <laughs> try to get a yeah, first Yeah, instead down. of going for it on fourth down and then letting the clock run. I mean, that is definitely a Bill O'Brien trademark. Is, is clock management. How many times do we criticize him for that? And Cully isn't even calling offense or defense. He has no excuses. He's just sitting there twiddling his thumbs and cheering guys on on the sideline. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how much of, you know, it's it's on all of them though. The, the coaches certainly have to get better with their own execution. But that was, that was big too, because how many plays could you have had in that time that just drained off the clock? And then at that point, you pretty much had to just run it out. The Texans did and they gave it back to the Browns and then the half ended. Yeah, and Deshaun had gotten better at, at just ignoring maybe Bill O'Brien and calling timeouts and being a better clock manager himself by the very end of his tenure in Houston. Um, and I say that like pretty assuredly that it's the end of his tenure in Houston. But Stephen, I mean, that's the thing is Tyrod Taylor, you know, he's been around a long time, but he hasn't been in a lot of these situations. But you still hope that an NFL quarterback would know, hey, right there is a good time to call a timeout. But you know, that's also, you know, that's just an obvious coaching thing. Yeah, well, the great quarterbacks do it. I, I mean, Tom Brady would do it. Aaron Rodgers would do it. And Deshaun, you know, if he'd been in there, he would have done it probably. He was, as you said, he was getting better at it. So that's what the great quarterbacks do. And, you know, Tyrod Taylor obviously was in that position, but did not, it chose not to. And maybe he had his hamstring on his mind because on third down, he has to scramble out of the pocket. I believe it was third down. And that's where you could see, 
he really pulled up and you knew, uh-oh, that's it. That's the end of Tyrod Taylor. And somehow, again, like the broadcast crew, what? Something happened to Tyrod? T- like, what are you guys watching? They were not, they had no idea what had happened going into the, ha- go, like coming out of the, the second, what, what, he's not going to be out on the field. We didn't see anything. What? what? You didn't see anything. Well, I, I definitely noticed the first one because I, I, in fact, at first I sat there and thought, oh no, he's not coming back. And then I, you know, in fact, you saw Case, uh, not Case, uh, that was uh, the Browns when Case Keenum was warming up. But you, you saw that he was coming out and he went to the tent. You thought, oh no, he's not going to come back. Well, he did come back, but then the next time you knew when he went out that that was probably going to be it. You saw Case Keenum warming up. You just thought he's, he's got to be coming in for the Texans, right? It's Case yeah, Keenum. that's why I got confused. I'm like, wait, Case Keenum. No, he's on the other side now, and you did see him warming up. Yeah, it was a terrible first half for the Texans. Not just Tyrod Taylor going down with a hamstring injury, but Danny, Danny Amandola. He goes out with a hamstring injury as well. The guy that you just picked up and you threw all that big money at, and he's the culture guy, and now he's gone with a hamstring injury. Nico Collins, your rookie, your your highest pick in the draft goes down with a shoulder injury. And that is another shoulder injury. Don't forget about Anthony Miller, who also had a shoulder injury in your receiving core. That's three receivers now, Stephen, that are out. Uh, luckily, you still got Brandon Cooks, your, your best receiver of the group. But that's three guys that you would consider, what, in your top four or five going into the, the start of the season. Yeah, and that's why you saw Andre Roberts out there catching passes, because who else were you going to go to? And, and then, you know, you had several other guys going down. Anthony O'Claire with an eye injury. And as you said, Justin Reed, you know, shaking up and coming out. It's just, man, it, they were dropping like flies. It kind of made me wonder, are the Texans going to have enough players to finish the darn game? The way it was looking. All right. So we're going to take a, a halftime break on going over this one. But we're not going anywhere because, Stephen, you and I got to talk about the point spread. You said it was 12 and a half. No, it was 13 and a half. The Texans were 13 and a half. The, 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 the guys in Vegas said, no, we don't think that's nearly enough. And, and I forgot yeah. what it, when it was 12 and a half, Stephen, what, what did we say? Did we, were, did we pick the Texans to cover or not to cover in this game? No, I actually, I, well, I don't remember what you said exactly, but I picked that the Texans would be under that 12 and a half. Yeah, and 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 you were right, and and you know what, the Texans, it it didn't happen the way we thought it would, but they did cover. I mean, they 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 actually kept it close uh, the whole time. I thought maybe they would get one of those backdoor covers. You know, you're getting touchdowns at the end of the game because you're throwing, and and maybe that's that's the because that's it's the hard thing about the NFL, Stephen, is you think okay, yeah, that team is so many points better, but then. You know, at the end of the game, you go into prevent defenses, and that's why these games are so hard to pick. They're so hard. But if you're going to pick them, Stephen, where do we need to go? What do we got to do? You go to Bet US. That's where you go. Absolutely. If you're betting on the Texans or the NFL this season, do it with Bet US. Go to betus.com because you might as well use a sports book with integrity and longevity like Bet US. It's not just football, any sport you want to go into. Uh, they're going to take bets on that. They're a pioneer in the industry. They've been in the sportsbook industry for almost three decades now. A diehard customer fan base. Great mobile platform. Go check that out. It's super easy with full betting options. Log into BetUS.com or call 800-792-3887. That's 800-79-BETUS. And here's how we can save you money. When you sign up, use our promo code HST125HST. That's our site there houston sports talk our, our podcast and it's uh as easy as that hst 125 redeems you 125 percent sign up bonuses on your initial 100 dollars deposit again that's hst 125 
And to help out our podcast, sign up using either the BetUS link on our pinned post at the top of our Twitter page or go to our website, HoustonSportsTalk.net. Click on the BetUS icon on the homepage. It's that simple to do. You can just follow my lead. Go to your phone online or social sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. Bet US. You bet. You win. You get paid. So, Stephen, welcome to the Davis Mills era. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How many times were we saying that Tyrod Taylor, if he goes down, he's your guy? And, and I have to say, though, Robert, at, in, in all seriousness, you know, it looked at first that the game was going to get completely out of hand because he just looked lost. He looked so lost. The one thing I will say about Davis Mills is that when he makes a mistake, he does tend to try to recover and get things back on track. And, uh, you know, it just it could have been so much worse, really. He played an entire half. It, it could have been so much worse. And the fact that he was in there and the Texans did cover the 13 and a half point spread. I mean, that in itself, I hate moral victories probably as much as you do, Robert. But that is a moral victory, certainly for Davis Mills at this point. So, yeah, he starts off the second half with a three and out. The Browns get the ball back. Seven plays, 77-yard drive, 33-yard touchdown Mayfield to Felton on a dump-off pass. One of many missed tackles uh, on the day in, in that particular play, I noticed. Although Felton had a great spin move there. And, you know, there was, there was some talent over there with the Browns. Don't get me wrong, but... The Texans have got to be better. You've got to do the little stuff if you're not that talented. So it's 21 to 14 Browns right there, Stephen. Then we go to this. Davis Mills throws an interception on third down in his next series. Threw it behind the receiver. Terrible throw. Mills with plenty of time. A great throwing lane to step into. And Stephen, this is my concern. This guy who was supposed to be super accurate according to our insider with Stanford, uh, Troy Clarity, that we talked to a few months ago. There's all this potential with him as far as his arm, is this, is that. He hasn't been accurate. I mean, there's just throws that I go, that's not close. Well, and not only that one, Robert, but there were a couple of others. I know, I think on that first possession in the second half, he threw an incomplete pass to Cooks and it was thrown behind him. And I think there was another pass that was thrown. So he had several throws that you know, could very well have been picked off or at least were behind the receivers. So the accuracy, definitely a problem and even some decision-making, you know, those are the things, you know, the, the guy has so little experience that he had in college and now he's trying to translate that into the NFL. Those are the things that come back to bite you. And in a game like this, you know, where it's still close, you just can't afford to have that happen. That leads to a Browns field goal on a short field. So then the Texans get the ball back. And at this point, you go, okay, this is going to turn into the blowout that we thought. But 16 play, 75-yard drive. It wasn't pretty. But they moved the ball down the field. Two-yard touchdown pass. Mills to Brandon Cooks. And I got to say, Tim Kelly, nice play on the screen pass. We got to keep bringing up Tim Kelly, Stephen. I mean, what a job Tim Kelly has done with this offense since he's took over the play calling last year. And Tim Kelly is the best play caller the Texans have had since Gary Kubiak. And I'm starting to wonder if he might be the best call, play caller that they've ever had. And you know what? You've got to, there, Tim Kelly is one of those guys you've got to cheer for. Yeah, he came over with Bill O'Brien from Penn State. But Bill O'Brien pretty much you know, locked him away 
in an office that was probably the size of a closet, didn't really allow him to do what everybody kept saying, you know, how, how brilliant Tim Kelly is and, you know, a brilliant offensive mind. He should be calling the plays. And even when he began calling plays, Bill O'Brien basically had his hands in it anyway. <laughs> so it, it's good, though, to see Kelly finally get his chance to do what he can do. And, you know, at least so far this year after the first two games, I'd say for the most part, he's called very good games. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Excellent games. I mean, it's, it's the best that I've seen. I feel like these guys are uh, keeping the defense off balance. And, you know, there's not a ton of talent, although Tyrod Taylor has played extraordinary. And, and maybe we got to give Tim Kelly a lot of credit with, with the type of, you know, the type of stuff that he's doing out there that reminds us of Deshaun in, in the first six quarters of the season. Of course, you know, we're, we're, we're now in the Davis Mills era and, and it gets a, a lot more of an uphill battle for him uh, on the offensive side. So uh, then that's the backbreaker that the, the next drive, um, not many drives in the second half, really eight plays, 82 yards for the Browns. Texans can't do much of anything. Nick Chubb, 26 yard touchdown run. That's the backbreaker. It's 31, 21, now, it's not over yet because they're still within 10 and there's a three and out by the Texans, though. It looks over with at that point, a three and out by the Browns, but then the Texans get the ball back and they go nine plays, 65 yards. And you think, oh, they, they didn't get a first down, so they're going to kick a field goal. Uh, probably end of the game or, you know, they got to go for it or whatever, but it's still only 10 points and there's still a couple of minutes to go in the game, Stephen. But Joey Sly misses the 41-yard field goal, and the special teams was an issue the whole game. We said it. That's, that, that was a big, huge problem. Yeah, it certainly was. I mean, it was a makeable field goal, certainly, and he did so well the first week. I think he led the NFL in scoring after week one. But what a difference a week makes. And who knows what could have happened at that point, Robert, if he'd made that field goal. The Texans are still in the game. They could get an onside kick, and we all know, you know, anything can happen when you get an onside kick and recover it. You, you would have had to rely on Davis Mills, but hey, let me get back to Tim Kelly for a second. If there is a saving grace to Davis Mills, I'd say it'd be Tim Kelly. And and the way that, you know, if he can continue to work with him and get him to a point where he could be a good quarterback, certainly an adequate quarterback, I think that's the key. Tim Kelly is certainly going to be the key, I think, in the development of Davis Mills. But yeah, that's where you could have been if they'd made that field goal. They would have still been at least had a shot to get an onside kick. And then who knows what happens from there? Am I being unfair to Davis Mills? Because, I mean, this is his first time out on the field. He, he comes in at halftime. We remember when Deshaun Watson had to do the same thing a few years ago. Remember, he made his debut uh, when Bill O'Brien pulled the plug after a total of one half of the first game and brings in Deshaun Watson. And, and not only that, you know, he comes in and his guys are out. You know, we, we have three wide receivers down for the Texans at that point, including the guy that you really would like to have right there and somebody like Danny Amendola who, who could be a good safety blanket for a kid like him. Well, I, I mean, I think it's unfair if we pile on him and just in regard to the fact of just how little experience he has. I mean, how many games did he play in college? 10, 11, you know, and then you, you expect him to come in and take over. Yeah, there are a lot of backup quarterbacks that come in and be the hero and lead their team back. I didn't see that happening with Davis Mills just because of his experience level. He's still trying to figure things out. I do think he's a smart player. He at least tries to make amends when he does make a mistake, but he's just not there yet, Robert. It's pretty clear. You know, how much can he learn from one game to the next? Well, we may find out on Thursday night because I'd be really shocked if Tyler Taylor is in there on Thursday. 
Stephen, uh, did you listen to the broadcast on the radio? Were you listening to Vandermeer and where? I, I was. I was kind of going back and forth between the television uh, and the radio broadcast. But yes, I did listen to uh, a lot of the Mark and Andre. I'm, I'm kind of interested. Did Andre say much about what he was seeing from Davis Mills from the quarterback perspective? I mean, he's been there. He's been in the NFL. He's, you know, he's been there in situations like that where you're a rookie and you're trying to figure things out or you're a, a kid, you know, just trying to learn the game. Did, did he say much about that? He wasn't overly critical, but, you know, when Davis made a mistake, he called him out on. I mean, Andre's not afraid to say, you know, and obviously being a former quarterback, he certainly is in a position to do that. He wasn't overly critical, but, yeah, when, when he made the interception, he's like, you know, you, you've got to make those plays. There was another I, there was another play where Mills, I think, he, he should have run with it, and he threw an incomplete pass. He kind of rushed things a little bit, and Dre said, you know, he, he could have had a little more time. He had a receiver open, wait for a receiver to come open. So it was the decision-making, I think, that he was most critical about when he did say something. We're going to talk a little bit about the Texans MVPs for this game because, you know, they they lost, but you know, there's some some real positives out there. You know, we mentioned uh, a couple of them already, but I want to get to the defensive MVP for the Texans, Stephen. Do you have any idea who my defensive MVP for the Texans was in this game? Well, I might uh, suggest uh, or guess uh, Gruger Hill, perhaps. There you go. Yeah, he made some plays today. Yeah, so under the radar. Nine tackles, six solo, three tackles for loss, and a sack. He was fantastic. Yeah, and he was, I don't know, of course you could count easily, more easily who didn't get shaken up uh, during the game than who did, but he was one of those that came off the field, and then you know he ran back on and kept playing. But yeah, Gruger Hill, he'd definitely be my defensive MVP. Who's your offensive MVP for this one? For me, I, I, this is an easy one, but maybe you have somebody else. Yeah, I mean, Tyrod Taylor, he played a half, but I mean, look, the guy was, he had 125 yards. What was he, 10 of 11 passing? So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at least in the first half, he would definitely be mine. That's who I had, Tyrod the God. Yeah, you called him Tyrod the God. And the nicknames are coming out. I'm trying to remember, oh, the Texans, I think, tweeted Hot Rod Tyrod or Tyrod the Hot Rod, or something like that. So, yeah, if Taylor could just get back in there and keep playing, the the nicknames are going to come. Not just 125 yards passing, but he threw for a touchdown, he ran for a touchdown, 144 passer rating, which is seems like the best you'd probably have as a passer rating. My backup for offensive MVP, if you want to go full four quarters, would be Brandon Cooks. Nine catches, 78 yards, and a touchdown. And Brandon Cooks, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is, Steven. He keeps putting up numbers. I mean, what can you say? I mean, he, he guy gets traded, thrown away, left and right. Nobody wants him. And we kind of crap on the Texans wide receivers without DeAndre Hopkins. And Brandon Cooks has done a hell of a job. Well, you and I did. Yeah, you and I crapped on him, Robert, because we were just saying, you know, you're going to have Brandon Cooks as your number one receiver. Uh, you know, and at least he didn't go down or who knows what the Texans game would have looked like. But yeah, probably the the more fair pick, if, if you want to go full game MVP, would have to be Brandon Cooks. I mean, it, it, it's certainly not any of the running backs uh, and any of the other receivers that made plays. So, yeah, Brandon Cooks, Tyrod Taylor, you know, just give it to both of them for different reasons. So the Texans sign Anthony Oclair at tight end, and all of a sudden he's immediately thrust into action. But you mentioned it. He gets hurt, which begs the question. You don't have a whole lot at wide receiver right now. You got a ton of injuries. Where is the guy that you drafted 
with the fifth, was it the fifth round pick, Brevin Jordan or the fourth round? No, the fourth round pick, right? Yeah, the fourth round, Brevin Jordan. And and he wasn't active in game one either, do you, if, if you remember, because that's when Farrell Brown came in and played for him. Yeah, where is Brevin Jordan? What's going on with him? I don't understand that at all. And it really says not a whole lot about <laughs> this franchise that once again, you've got guys that aren't active and that never play that you draft like that year, the next year, whatever it is, it's just over and over again. We see this time and time. Gr- Grenard was inactive in this, and I don't know if there's an injury with that, but what was he drafted last year? Second round? Is that right? Yeah, I think so. So he was a higher pick, and yet you've got your third round pick this year, Davis Mills. I mean, you can't wait to throw him in when the <laughs> starter gets hurt. So. Yeah, I, I'm still trying to scratch my head and figure out the, the Texans draft analysis and what to do afterwards. Final thoughts on this one? I mean, I, I, I am so impressed with what Levy Smith has done and what Tim Kelly has done in these first two games. I cannot be more impressed with those two guys. David Culley looked good the first game. This game, whole other story. I, I just... Uh, <laughs> I just am really nervous after the the two moves that he made in the first half, but he's got them prepared and they're a, they're a resilient team. I, I don't see the give up that I used to see sometimes with the Texans when the bad things would start to happen under Bill O'Brien at times. When you look at what they've done the first two weeks, you've got to be happy that this franchise looks like a professional franchise when at times they didn't over the Bill O'Brien era. Yeah, well, especially in the top leadership role. And that's where it really starts, Robert. It starts from the top. And, you know, that's what we've been saying for months is that that, that's what the Texans don't have. But if there's one thing they do have, and you said it, it's fight. And and how much, you know, what what would they have done in this kind of a game? This is the question I asked myself during, especially during the second half, when so many guys were going out and it was obvious the Texans weren't going to win the game. You know, in in the Bill O'Brien era, or even after he got fired last year with the defense the Texans had then, what would the Texans have done in a situation like this? They would have probably caved in, but they didn't cave in. And that's, you know, if you're going to take anything positive away from this, Robert, it has to be it. Yeah, the team lost, but look, they're 1-1. One one. They could have been 0-2. They could have let a rookie quarterback roll all over them, but they didn't. So 1-1, one one, you know, going into Thursday night football with so many unknowns against the Carolina Panthers, you know, at, at least you feel decent about this team going into week three, but it is a long season. And if adversity continues to happen, the big question is, can you keep that fight and intensity up for an entire seven, a 17 game season? It's, it's going to be difficult to do if they keep losing. You know what else? You just get so angry if you're a Texans fan that you wasted so many years without having a real offensive coordinator. You see what Tim Kelly can do. And Bill O'Brien, just the 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 George Godseys and the the Bill O'Brien, you know, stealing away the Denny's menu from anybody that you know he would sort of give the offense to. And how many how many uh, years did you waste with a Romeo Crennel that seemed like he was declining as a DC? And then Anthony Weaver, really? I mean, Lovey's yeah. been fantastic, and it's just like Lovey knows what's going on out there, and uh, yeah. There's stuff that happens with this team on defense where where some teams go up and down the field, but at least you feel like you got a chance because of Lovey, because there's no talent on this team per se. There's no, there's no 
all pros, pro bowlers, nor do J.J. Watts. There's no guys that you're going, oh, this is the future of this team on defense. You just don't see it at this point. But what you see is a well-coached team. Yeah, for the most part, that's exactly what you see. And that intensity, and it's already made a difference in these first two games. I mean, think about how many turnovers they had. You know, they're they're almost, not quite, but they're almost to their total that they had all of last year. And as I've said before, Robert, if those continue to happen, whether the Texans win or lose, they're going to be in a lot more games than we probably expected before the season started. And that's the difference is the intensity of the defense. Tyrod Taylor needs to stay healthy. And, you know, he didn't today, obviously. But if he could just get back in there and stay there, then the Texans offense at least has a chance to shine just like the defense does. Got to talk a little college football, too. Uh, some games on Saturday. Um, not a lot to talk about, but, but before we get to that for a second, I got to bring up the fact, Stephen, that yesterday, Saturday, was our eighth anniversary from the time I put out this first pod. It was just something that I was going to do for fun. It's been one of the great pleasures of my life to do this for eight years now, over a thousand episodes uh, we're getting over 70,000 listens per year. If you want to sponsor it, if you know somebody that does to just support us because you like the show and you want it to continue and you want us to, you know, have a reason to continue, uh, please let us know. But it's been so much fun. And all of the incredible guests that we've had over the years, Stephen, I mean, how about some Olympic medalists like Simone Biles? One of the greats that's ever been in any sport ever has been a guest on this podcast before she was anybody. Mina Kimes, who you see everywhere on ESPN and has become such a celebrity for that network. She was on our show before anybody had ever heard of her. Mina Kimes. I know. That's awesome. And Robert, first of all, I want to congratulate you. And your original co-host, R.G. Seal, because first of all, you know, you and R.G. did the show for many years. I've only been with you for a couple of years. But, you know, I started listening. I'm trying to remember. I, I want to say it was in 2014, somewhere around there. It, it was like six, seven years ago that I started listening to the podcast because, it, you know, as a former Houstonian, I've, I've lived in Austin for many, many years. But Houston has never left my heart. And I was looking for a show that just talked Houston sports. I'm like, I, I don't even know if there's a show out there that would do that, you know, unless you listen to the local radio stations. But I was tired of that. I did a search on Apple Podcasts, and your show, Houston Sports Talk, was the first one that popped up. And I immediately started listening. And you know what, Robert? And, and I don't know if I've ever told you this or not, but probably the first thing I noticed about it was just how passionate you were about talking Houston sports. And I'm like, this guy, I, I assume he's from Houston, but... Man, he sure sounds like it. And, you know, it is not an easy task to do a podcast for this long. It is a tough do thing to do. I mean, to do any project of this nature with all the work that goes in it, most people give up, you know, after six months, maybe a year, maybe a couple of years. But you've done it for eight years, Robert. That, that's incredible. And I just, you know, hats off to you, my friend. And for those who don't know, yeah, I, I did grow up in Houston, if, if you haven't figured it out yet. I, I, I grew up in Sharpstown, which is now Chinatown, but that's the area I, I grew up in for 18 years before I went off to college. And I came back after 12 years. I was gone uh, working in television. I worked, uh, obviously, going to college as well, but uh, working in Little Rock and Memphis and got a chance to cover Super Bowls and NCAA tournaments and all sorts of really cool stuff over that time. And you know, since I've been back here, uh, just uh, 
craziness with everything that's happened in Houston sports over the last 20 years and the eight years that we've been doing this. I mean, what do we have like four? I think it's either four or five uh, Texans playoff appearances, uh, Astros championship, uh, Astros team that's in the playoffs all the time. The Rockets almost got to a championship, a, a, a world championship before Chris Paul got hurt. Cougars final four basketball. Yeah, Cougars final four. Uh, James Harden MVP runs. He he picked up an MVP. And hey, on the podcast, we've had AL MVP Jose Altuve, NBA Hall of Famer Calvin Murphy, Astros World Series MVP George Springer, NFL Hall of Famers Elvin Bethay and Robert Brazil, tons of Oilers actually. Uh, Olympic gold medalist, uh, like I said, Simone Biles, talked about her earlier. AL Cy Young Award winner Dallas Keuchel, World Cup champs Megan Klingenberg and Morgan Bryan, Olympic swimmer Camille Adams. Uh, so many of the local guests, I can't thank enough for doing a favor for me, guys that I've known over the years who've come on the show. Greg Lucas has been a, a regular and fantastic to us over that period of time. And, you know, not to mention the fact that Richard Justice, big time national guy, decided to take some time with us. And, you know, just so many fantastic guests over that period of time. And Stephen, you know, it, it, it's it's cool, but I think our our listeners love to hear us be upset and angry and, and, and jubilant more than any guest that we ever have on here. That's exactly right, because that's what I was looking for when I did the search for your show, Robert. I mean, that's that's it, I, because I could tune to the local radio stations and hear plenty of guests. But what I was looking for, and I think what, what other listeners are looking for, is just two guys who love sports. Yeah, they may be fans of the teams, but I think you and I, we aren't shy about giving them their due when they do well, but also giving them their criticism when they need it. And that's what drew me to the show in the first place. I, I don't remember the exact episode of the first one that I ever heard, but I'm pretty sure it was one where you and RG were just talking, you know, just debating, going back and forth about the issues. And honestly, I think that's one of the big reasons that we still have as many listeners as we do, because if we didn't, I'm, I'm sure the show would still not be on the air at this point. Thankfully, RG wanted to go in it with me. He he and I went to high school together. We used to uh, have our own sports talk show in my bedroom when we were in high school, like playing around, pretending like we were TV guys. We had a video camera set up. We're recording it. And the guy that was recording it, Anthony Giegel, uh, another friend of ours from high school, was also uh, an original of the show. He was an original host. And then it was just me and RG for years. But yeah, RG did it for six years and um, just we had so much fun doing that as a kid to, so to get a chance to, you know, have a platform like this is just, it's a really, really cool thing. And Steven, I tell you what, um, the, the, the best thing, maybe even more than some of the athletes that we've talked to is I've had a chance to talk to people in, in Houston sports that I grew up with getting to Talk to Tom Franklin and Jerry Truppiano, who I used to listen to on the radio. Kenny Hand, and everybody knows him from the radio and television over the years, for many, many years in Houston. And Robert Falkoff, who uh, covered the Rockets uh, in the 80s and early 90s and who I've become friends with and who has always been gracious enough to come on and talk about Rockets history with us. Just all of those guys, and, and I can't say enough about what genuinely good people they are. John McClain and Dale Robertson, absolutely the best people that you're going to meet in this business or in Houston sports, the the long timers, the, the old guys. Yes, the old guys. I'm not sure they appreciate that, but no, I'm teasing. Every name you just mentioned, Robert, I grew up listening to or reading them in the newspaper. And yeah, it, it is cool when you get to talk to those guys 
because you looked at him from afar, obviously, when you were a kid growing up. And, you know, in this business, there aren't a lot of people who are genuinely nice guys who get to the top. And I mean, yeah, there are quite a few, I shouldn't say not very many, but there are also a lot of jerks out there. And every one of those guys you just mentioned is just super nice, gave the time of day to when they could have been doing other things to come on the show. So, yeah, I, I think that's great as well. Yeah. Thanks to all those guys for doing that. Thanks to you guys for indulging us a little bit in, in, in this discussion, because I'm, I'm I'm really proud that we have gone eight years and, and done this on a weekly basis. It's not something that's easy to do, especially when you're kind of doing it mostly on the side as a side, sort of side fun hustle, I guess you would call it. Figured we'd talk about it because there's not much to discuss in local college football this week. UT destroys Rice. A&M destroys New Mexico. UH destroys Prairie View A&M. Not, not any real surprises there, although Clayton Toon went down with a hamstring injury because, of course, it was a hamstring injury early in the game. Uh, but Dana Holgerson said he should be back next week, Stephen. Yeah, let me get to that, Robert. I, I have a question. Why on earth did Dana Holgerson decide to play Clayton Toon in a game against an FCS opponent, yeah, I, I know that, you know, these days there, there's not necessarily so much of a, anything as a cupcake because of some of the upsets we've seen, but come on. He, he hadn't practiced all week, and it was obvious that he could have held him out at least for this week and get ready for the Navy game. Well, now you may or may not have him for the Navy game. It just shouldn't have played him. Uh, so th- that's my biggest question is why did Dane Holgerson even consider that? Best answer I can come up for you reps against competition i guess i guess but again when your competition and, and look i'm not knocking grambling state but it is grambling state and the fact that you want to preserve him for the rest of the season when you're getting ready for conference play i'm just not sure i would have done that if i were dana holgerson but i'm not he's the coach he's the one making all the money no matter what he does so there you go that's what they have so not a lot of college football last thing i wanted to throw at you Stephen, is ken burns you and I are big fans. He's yeah, starting absolutely. up. A lot of you will not listen to this until after the first of his series tonight on Muhammad Ali. But man, I'm looking forward to this on PBS. Yeah, Ken Burns, the king of documentaries. That's what I call him. I mean, every single one I've watched. Uh, he had the one on baseball and he's had the one on, on country music that I got a chance to see and several others. So Doing one on Muhammad Ali, I mean, there, there have been so many of them made about Muhammad Ali. Where can you go? <laughs> you know, what, what can, can be said that hasn't already been said? But Ken Burns just has a way of bringing out things that you never knew. And even about a guy like Muhammad Ali, there are going to be some gems in there. I just know it. I mean, I haven't seen it yet, but I just know there are going to be. Do you have a favorite Ken Burns documentary? I mean, we, we've talked about at least one of them, so I know that one might be high up there for you. What is your favorite? Well, just because I am so big of a baseball fan, I'd, I'd say the baseball one has to be it. But yeah, the country music one, uh, that's pretty close second because that, that, was, that was so well done. And, you know, even some of the people that he talked to in that one, uh, a lot of the uh, singers have uh, gone and left us. Kenny Rogers, Tom T. Hall. But, but if, if, if my absolute favorite would have to be the baseball one that he did a number of years ago. Absolutely. That was fantastic. But I liked the country music one because it was a little bit more concise. Ken can get a little bit to where it's too much, where it's too long. Yeah, and the baseball one was long. I will I will say that. I remember that. Definitely, if you're thinking about seeing it, I, I would definitely. If you don't know much about Muhammad Ali, it's a great education. Also great education, go into our archives because... 
you know, we talked about some of the great guests that we've had over here and uh, Mickey Herskowitz, we had on him and he just told one fantastic story after another. Frankly, I don't know if you're going to hear better stories than you heard from Mickey Herskowitz on our podcast a few years ago after Ali died. Uh, and we did a throwback not too long ago. So just look for that in the archive, Stephen. It was great. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do remember that. Yeah, I do remember that particular podcast. And, and talk about a guy who can tell stories. Mickey Herskowitz was a great storyteller. And uh, you, you had him on a couple of different times. But he knew some people in high places. And Muhammad Ali was one of those guys. I, I got to say, uh, Muhammad Ali, he, he's just one of my all-time heroes. So that's, that's why I'm looking forward to this. That's why I had to bring it up. But let me wrap things up by reminding everybody that this show is brought to you by BetUS.com, America's favorite sports book. When you use it, use the code HST125 to redeem a 125% sign-up bonus on your initial $100 deposit. If you forget, look for the promo code in the show description every single week. And to help our podcast, please sign up using either the BetUS link on our pinned Twitter post at the top of our page or go to our website, HoustonSportsTalk.com. .net and click on BetUS on the right side of the page. Listen for our weekly Astros conversation on Wednesday's podcast. Stephen, we're going to try to do this pretty much every Wednesday this season, I think, right? Yeah, it looks that way. And then, of course, you know, we have the Texans game on Thursday, so we'll have that to look forward to. So that'll be another busy week. Oh, yeah, that's right. We've got a Thursday game this week. Uh, so looking forward to both of those shows. So keep, keep listening. Uh, tell your friends about us. And until next time, everybody... Stay healthy and safe. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.